Book Six, Chapter One of Camilla. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This reading by Anka. Camilla, or A Picture of Youth, by Fanny Burney. Chapter One: A Walk by Moonlight. Mrs. Albury and Camilla set off in the coach of Mr. Dennell widow of a deceased sister of the husband of Mrs. Albury, whom she was induced to admit of the party, that he might aid in bearing the expenses, as she could not, from some family considerations, refuse taking her niece into a coterie. Sir Sedley Clarendell drove his own phaeton, but instead of joining them, according to the condition which occasioned the treaty, cantered away his ponies from the very first stage, and left word where he changed horses, that he should proceed to the hotel upon the Pantiles. Mrs. Albury was nearly provoked to return to the grove. With Mr. Dennell she did not think it worth while to converse. Her niece she regarded as almost an idiot, and Camilla was so spiritless that, had not so sadly acceded to her plan, this was the last period in which she would have chosen her for a companion. They travelled very quietly to within a few miles of Tunbridge when an accident happened to one of the wheels of the carriage that the coachman said would take some hours to repair. They were drawn on with difficulty to a small inn upon the road, whence they were obliged to send a man and horse to Tunbridge for chaises. As they were destined now to spend some time in this place, Mrs. Albury retired to write letters, and Mr. Dennell to read newspapers, and, invited by a bright moon, Camilla and Miss Dennell wandered from a little garden to an adjoining meadow, which conducted them to a lane, rendered so beautiful by the strong masses of shade with which the trees intercepted the resplendent whiteness of the moon, that they walked on, catching fresh openings with fresh pleasure, till the feet of Miss Dennell grew as weary with the length of the way, unbroken by any company, as the ease of Camilla with her incessant prattling, unaided by any idea. Miss Dennell proposed to sit down, and, while relieving herself by a fit of yawning and stretching, Camilla strolled a little further in search of a safe and dry spot. Miss Dennell, following in a moment, on tiptoe and trembling, whispered that she was sure she heard a voice. Camilla, with a smile, asked if only themselves were privileged to enjoy so sweet a night. "'Hush!' cried she. "'Hush! I hear it again!' They listened, and in a minute a soft plaintive tone reached their ears, too distant to be articulate, but undoubtedly female. "'I dare say it's a robber!' exclaimed Miss Dennell, shaking. "'If you don't run back, I shall die!' Camilla assured her, from the gentleness of the sound, she must be mistaken, and pressed her to advance a few steps further, in case it should be anybody ill. "'But you know,' said Miss Dennell, speaking low, "'people say that sometimes there are noises in the air, without its being anybody. Suppose it should be that.' Still, though almost imperceptibly, Camilla drew her on, till, again listening, they distinctly heard the words, "'My lovely friend.' "'La! How pretty!' said Miss Dennell. "'Let's go a little nearer.' They advanced, and presently, again stopping, heard— could pity pour balm into my woes, how sweetly would they be alleviated by yours, my lovely friend! Miss Dendal now looked enchanted, and eagerly led the way herself. In a few minutes, arriving at the end of the lane, which opened upon a wild and romantic common, they caught a glimpse of a figure in white. Miss Dendal turned pale. "'Dear!' cried she, in the lowest whisper. "'What is it?' "'A lady.' answered Camilla, equally cautious not to be heard, though totally without alarm. 
"'Are you sure of that?' said Miss Dennell, shrinking back, and pulling her companion to accompany her. "'Do you think it's a ghost?' cried Camilla, unresisting the retreat, yet walking backwards to keep the form in sight. "'Fie! How can you talk so shocking, all in the dark so, except only for the moon?' "'Yours, my lovely friend,' was now again pronounced in the tenderest accent. "'She's talking to herself,' exclaimed Miss Dennell. "'Lord, how frightful!' and she clung close to Camilla, who, mounting a little hillock of stones, presently perceived that the lady was reading a letter. Miss Dennell, tranquillized by hearing this, was again content to stop, when their ears were suddenly struck by a piercing shriek. "'Oh, Lord, we shall be murdered!' cried she, screaming still louder herself. They both ran back some paces down the lane, Camilla determining to send somebody from the inn to inquire what all this meant, but presently, through an opening in the common, they perceived the form in white darting forwards, with an air wild and terrified. Camilla stopped, struck with compassion and curiosity at once. Miss Dennell could not quit her, but after the first glance, hid her face, faintly articulating, "'Oh, don't let it see us, don't let it see us. I'm sure it's nothing natural. I dare say it's somebody walking.' The next instant they perceived a man, looking earnestly around, as if to discover who had echoed the scream, the place they occupied was in the shade, and he did not observe them. He soon rushed hastily on, and seized the white garment of the flying figure, which appeared, both by its dress and form, to be an elegant female. She clasped her hands in supplication, cast up her eyes towards heaven, and again shrieked aloud. Camilla, who possessed that fine internal power of the thinking and feeling mind to adopt courage for terror, where any eminent service may be the result of immediate exertion, was preparing to spring to her relief, while Miss Dennell, in extreme agony holding her, murmured out, "'Let's run away, let's run away, she's going to be murdered!' When they saw the man prostrate himself at the lady's feet, in the humblest subjection." Camilla stopped her flight, and Miss Dennell appeased, called out, "'La, he's kneeling! How pretty it looks! I dare say it's a lover! How I wish one could hear what he says!' An exclamation, however, from the lady, uttered in a tone of mingled affright and disgust, of "'Leave me! Leave me!' was again the signal to Miss Dennell of retreat, but of Camilla to advance. The rustling of sleeves, caused by her attempt to make way through the breach, caught the ears of the suppliant, who hastily arose, while the lady folded her arms across her breast, and seemed ejaculating the most fervent thanks for this relief. Camilla now forced a passage through the hedge, and the lady, as she saw her approach, called out, in a voice the most touching, "'Surely tis some pitying angel mercifully come to my rescue!' The pursuer drew back, and Camilla, in the gentlest words, besought the lady to accompany her to the friends she had just left, who would be happy to protect her. She gratefully accepted the proposal, and Camilla then ventured to look around, to see if the object of this alarm had retreated. But, with an astonishment that almost confounded her, she perceived him a few yards off, taking a pinch of snuff and humming an opera air. The lady, then, snatching up her letter which had fallen to the ground, touched it with her lips, and carefully folding, put it into her bosom, tenderly ejaculating, "'I have preserved thee! Oh, from what danger! What violation!' Then, pressing the hand of Camilla, "'You have saved me,' she cried, "'from the calamity of losing what is more dear than I have words to express. Take me but where I may be shielded from that wretch, and what shall I not owe to you?' 
the moon now shining full upon her face camilla saw seated on it youth sensibility and beauty her pleasure involuntarily rather than rationally was redoubled that she had proved serviceable to her as in equal proportion was her abhorrence of the man who had caused the disturbance the three females were now proceeding when the offender with a careless air and yet more careless bow advancing towards them negligently said shall i have the honour to see you safe home ladies camilla felt indignant miss dennell again screamed and the stranger with a look of horror and disgust said persecute me no more oh hang it oh cursed cried he swinging his cane to and fro don't be serious i only meant to frighten you about the letter the lady deigned no answer but murmured to herself that letter is more precious to me than life or light they now walked on and when they entered the lane they had the pleasure to observe they were not pursued she then said to camilla you must be surprised to see any one out and unprotected at this late hour but i had employed myself unthinkingly in reading some letters from a dear and absent friend and forgot the quick passage of time a man in a livery now appearing at some distance she hastily summoned him and demanded where was the carriage in the road he answered where she had left it at the end of the lane she then took the hand of camilla and with a smile of the utmost softness said when the shock i have suffered is a little over i must surely cease to lament i have sustained it since it has brought me such sweet succour where may i find you to-morrow to repeat my thanks camilla answered she was going to tunbridge immediately but knew not yet where she should lodge tunbridge she repeated i am there myself i shall easily find you out to-morrow morning for i shall know no rest till i have seen you again she then asked her name and with the most touching acknowledgments took leave camilla recounted her adventure to mrs arbury with an animated description of the fair incognita and with the most heartfelt delight of having though but accidentally proved of service to her mrs arbury laughed heartily at the recital assuring her she doubted not but she had made acquaintance with some dangerous fair one who was playing upon her inexperience and utterly unfit to be known to her camilla warmly vindicated her innocence from the whole of her appearance as well as from the impossibility of her knowing that her scream could be heard yet was perplexed how to account for her not naming herself and for the mystery of the carriage and the servant in waiting so far off these latter she concluded to belong to her father as she looked too young to have any sort of establishment of her own what i don't understand in the matter is that their reading of letters by the light of the moon said mr denham where's the necessity of doing that for a person that can afford to keep her own coach and servants mr denham was a man as unfavoured by nature as he was uncultivated by art he had been accepted as a husband by the sister of mr albury merely on account of a large fortune which he had acquired in business the marriage like most others made upon such terms was as little happy in its progression as honourable in its commencement and miss Dennell, born and educated amidst domestic dissension which robbed her of all will of her own by the constant denial of one parent to what was accorded by the other possessed too little reflection to benefit by observing the misery of an alliance not mentally assorted and grew up with no other desire but to enter the state herself from an ardent impatience to shake off the slavery she experienced in singleness the recent death of her mother had given her indeed somewhat more liberty but she had not sufficient sense to endure any restraint and languished for the complete power which she imagined a house and servants of her own would afford 
when they arrived at the hotel in tunbridge mrs albury heard with some indignation that sir sedley clarendell was gone to the rooms without demonstrating by any sort of inquiry the smallest solicitude at her non-appearance chapter one